Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. And I know Rob had said I'm going to be talking about cycle tracks and then threw out the phone number. Just to be clear, I'm going to be talking about cycle tracks uh, just after 5 o'clock. I'm going to find out what uh, candidates... Greg Miller in Ward 4. His thoughts on cycle tracks. He's more of an inner inner city uh, uh, constituent. No, anyway, an inner city ward is what I'm trying to say. And so we'll talk to him and take your phone calls and your texts. But that's not until 5 o'clock. Later on at 3.30, I want to get your reaction whether or not you would ever fly Swoop, the new WestJet ultra low cost carrier. Definitely want to get your opinion on that. This half hour, though, I want to talk about breast cancer. More importantly, the myths surrounding breast cancer. Because, well, I've shared with you, uh, my mom had breast cancer, sister had breast cancer, definitely uh, runs in my family. And over the years, I have read all sorts of things that I should or shouldn't be doing. And that's why I wanted to bring in Marilisa Rocco. She is Global National Online Journalist, joins us today. Hello, Marilisa. Hi, Angela. I know you've had a chance to kind of delve into some of those myths that have been out there for a long time. Who were you talking with? Yes, um, I had a chance to speak with a representative at the Canadian Cancer Society in addition to um, the lead oncologist at uh, Princess Margaret uh, Cancer Hospital in Toronto. And um, they were very helpful in, in explaining and breaking down how some of these myths have been um, sort of perpetuated, but more importantly, how they are myths and that um, we don't really need to be making any of these sort of drastic changes in our lives if we're looking to um, avoid breast cancer. And obviously it's important to dispel the myths because we know that, uh, what, what's the numbers when it comes to women, and I know some men, but oh, predominantly women who are diagnosed with breast cancer in our country? Yes, um, the statistics for 2017 are estimated at um, 26,300 diagnoses and uh, 5,000 deaths of Canadian women. Of Canadian women. I mean, it is encouraging that over the years through uh, research, we have been able to see uh, women who were diagnosed having a better outlook than those many years ago. But uh, in, still, we've got all those myths out there. And, and I think, Marilisa, if your experts were trying to figure out how these myths have been perpetuated, we only have to look at one source, and I'd say the Internet. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think that that's sort of the bane of the medical community's existence at this point. Um, you know, a, a, every doctor will tell you, you know, just don't run to the Internet to look up every single symptom that you have because it's always going to tell you something pretty scary and horrible. Um, but it's, what's important is, you know, instead of rushing to the Internet to get answers, if you feel that there's something wrong, that there's something that is, isn't right, immediately see a healthcare professional because early diagnosis is really, you know, what can make the biggest difference in in somebody's life when it comes to something like 
you know, as serious as breast cancer. Well, and also just the internet, not only if you've got a symptom yourself, but I think the internet, when you have social media and there is an article out there and all of a sudden it is shared with thousands of people in a matter of moments, that's hard too then to kind of rein it back in. So I want to go through some that have been out there for a long time and and maybe my listeners will even have some other ones, not that you're the expert, but uh, I know there's lots of myths out there. But for a long time it was the idea of the type of bra women were wearing was increasing their risk of cancer yeah there's been sort of a this undercurrent going through i think uh you know popular culture and and you know word of mouth that the idea of wearing a bra with underwire is going to cause breast cancer or it will increase your risk of developing breast cancer um and unfortunately i do think that there are uh, a number of websites out there, um, some of which are, you know, backed by very big names that, you know, carry a lot of weight in some circles that perpetuate these ideas, but there is no science behind it. The bottom line is that there is no scientific proof that an underwire in a bra, regardless of how many hours a day you wear it, is going to create breast cancer or is going to create an environment that will allow breast cancer to develop. Um, this myth goes, dates back to, I think it was 1995, uh, there was a book that called Dressed to Kill, and it was, you know, one study conducted by a doctor that determined that women who wore a bra for 12 hours or more a day had a higher risk of developing breast cancer because the idea was that the underwire would prevent the lymph nodes from properly, you know, draining fluids out of the body. And that is simply untrue. Well, and so what did your experts say? Because, uh, you know, the book, as you you pointed out, had a a study. And so I think uh, I do lots of studies on this show. So that kind of added uh, some legitimacy behind it. So what was your expert saying about it? Well, the expert was saying that um, the the evidence that this paper presented was weak at best. And that it was... It wasn't much of a causal difference, and it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. What about, and obviously we're talking about breasts, but um, what about the actual size of women's breasts? Because I I know for a while there, you'd be worried if you were a large-breasted woman uh, that you had a higher risk of breast cancer. Yes, well, some studies have been conducted that showed sort of minimal evidence in postmenopausal women um, that a larger cup size could be associated with a slightly higher incidence of breast cancer. However, once again, there isn't a very strong link that's been provided in this case. Um, one of the doctors that I interviewed drew the comparison to women with obesity, and he said that these women tend to have larger breasts, but they are less likely to go Brawless, um, and yet obesity is associated with breast cancer. So there really is no link in that scenario. Mm. So they're saying the bigger concern is obesity, and the fact is there may be a higher incident of breast cancer in women who are obese, and they tend to have larger breasts, so maybe that's where the whole conclusion came from. Yes, essentially. And there's also the fact that breast cancer develops in the cells that line the ducts, and women of all breast sizes have the same amount of these. So it really, you know, size does n- mm. is not a factor. 
in this case, size doesn't matter. All right, hold on here, Marilisa. <laughs> I've got a few more myths that I want to go through just so that we have the right information, especially the media is always accused of being fake news. We want to make sure we've got the right information for you. Marilisa Rocco is an online journalist at Global. She is with us, 403-974-8255. Any myths that you have heard of? I'm not saying Marilisa has the answers, but we could throw those out as well. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. All right, we are talking about breast cancer, and um, it is obviously a cancer that affects a lot of women, and it affects a lot of men because maybe your loved one has been diagnosed with cancer. Also, the fact is that men can get breast cancer as well. Marilee Sirocco is my guest this half hour. She's a global national online journalist. And Marilisa, that that is a fact because a lot of times I know whether or not that falls in the myth category that men don't get breast cancer. The reality is a small percentage do yeah they do i mean it's it isn't a huge percentage of men it's estimated at roughly you know one percent of of breast cancer cases occur in men and um and those cases really only make up about 0.2 percent of all cancers in men but it's still a very real issue it's a very real disease um and it can it can happen to men and I think the, the reason you even want to get that out there is that if there is a lump, whether you're a guy or a girl, a woman or a man, you better have it looked at. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, doctors are very eager to have patients come in as soon as possible um, if they think that something is amiss. And um, if they feel a lump in their breast, by all means, um, if it's something that is you know, has been there for a while and there hasn't been a change in it and it hasn't come and gone with, you know, the ebb and flow of hormones or um, over the course of time, then definitely have it checked out. Doesn't necessarily mean you have cancer though, right? No, and that's another thing that practitioners are really eager to get out there is that, you know, not every lump means that you have cancer. In fact, there's a very small percentage of breast lumps that turn out to be cancerous. And so, um, you know, they they don't want anyone to, you know, they don't want people just sort of freaking out and running, you know, scared, yeah. um, you know, the minute they feel something. But, um, but again, if it's persistent or if there is a noticeable change in the breast tissue, uh, then don't ignore it. Go have it checked out. Marilisa, I've got a listener who um, touches on that, the whole question of antiperspirants. Does that increase the chances of getting breast cancer? Goes on to say, what about using chemical-based household cleaners, personal hygiene products? Does that increase your chances? Do they find all natural products reduce the risk? No. Um, unfortunately, there has been no link drawn between chemicals, especially in uh, personal care products and cancer. And I, and I say this unfortunately because I think that a lot of people would love to believe that by going the natural route, they're automatically sort of getting a leg up. Um, but that's really not necessarily true. I think we've heard this antiperspirant debate for decades now. Um, it stems from one small study that was released and it just went viral in the days before things actually went viral. Um, And and that particular study has been largely debunked over the years. Um, And in particular, you know, the Canadian Cancer Society is really wants people to know that antiperspirants are in no way linked to to breast cancer. Antiperspirants are meant to stop perspiration um, and 
But the main person, purpose of perspiration is to cool the body. It's not to rid it of toxins. Um, we have liver and kidneys that take care of ridding our body of toxins. Um, so there, there really is no link whatsoever to antiperspirants and the ingredients in antiperspirants and breast cancer. That was the whole, uh, as you say, what got things going was the idea that you're getting rid of the toxins. Um, but lymph nodes, though, they, they do play a role, don't they, in clearing some toxins from our body? Yes, they do. Um, but uh, the lymph nodes release uh, the toxins, and the toxins then make their way down to our liver and our kidneys, and they take care ah. of processing them and ridding our bodies of them. So it's not as if the lymph nodes in your armpits are releasing, the, the perspiration is releasing the toxin. That's done internally. Okay, that uh, I get that. Yes. Um, what about mm-hmm. the caffeine? I'm not a big coffee drinker, but every week there's a different study that says I probably should be a coffee drinker. For a while there, there was that uh, that idea that caffeine, there's a connection between breast cancer and caffeine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to, to put, get the coffee out of my hands, I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, and so I was very gratified to hear uh, that this is, there is zero truth linked to this myth. Um, it does not increase breast cancer risk. And, uh, in fact, in postmenopausal women, there was a lower incidence of cancer in those who consumed more caffeine. So um, if you're postmenopausal, I've just given you a brilliant reason to drink more coffee. <laughs> um, uh, I know that uh, there was the thinking, and some people maybe still think it, that if you've had any kind of injury to your breast, you could actually be almost inviting cancer cells to develop in your breast. Well, this is an interesting one, um, and one that I, I had not come across before, um, so I was very interested, you know, interested to hear it, um, is that apparently um, some people believe that, you know, if they've had an injury to the breast, whether it's um, they've fallen uh, or a seatbelt injury, that that trauma is yeah. going to uh, form a lump. But what's very interesting about these cases is that oftentimes when a person has had an injury and then goes to see a medical professional and it's diagnosed with cancer, it's not that the injury caused anything, it's that the doctor was more likely to find it in treating them for that particular mm, injury. Okay. Um, someone just texted and said, Peter Chris, original drummer for KISS, battled breast cancer. I, I don't know for sure, but um, that's going back to that idea that, yes, a men, a small percentage, do get uh, breast cancer as well. And again, I said Marilisa is not an expert. She's just talked to some of the experts. But um, maybe uh, the experts in your conversations had an opinion on this. Uh, someone just saying, um, over 50, no family on female side with any breast cancer. Are mammograms necessary? Did you, did you get any uh, feeling as far as this whole idea you should get a mammogram or you should only get a mammogram if you're in this high-risk group? Um, mammograms are absolutely necessary. Uh, they are the top way that doctors can detect whether or not there is something going on in your breast. And so um, in Canada, across the board, uh, women aged 50 to 69 are strongly advised to have a mammogram every two years. Mm, every two years. Okay, because I've always, you know, ever since I was 40, I've had to because I'm more in the high-risk group. But still, once you start to hit a certain age, they're saying mammograms every other year. Hopefully that, that texter helps. So before I say goodbye, Marilisa, maybe just a good reminder of uh, what to look for before you consider making the appointment with a doctor. 
Uh, definitely. Um, def- you know, look out for uh, lumps. If you have a lump that you felt in your breast for some time that has not changed, um, you know, with regards to women, if the size or the consistency of the lump hasn't changed with your menstrual cycle, then that's something that should be looked after. Um, the uh, changes in the feeling should be um, that the breast tissue feels thicker or harder, um, but it shouldn't feel like the rest of your breast tissue. So sometimes a lump can feel like it's actually attached to your skin as opposed to your breast. Um, if there's a lump in the armpit, definitely have that mm. checked out. And also look out for changes in the shape or size of your breast, uh, changes to the nipple, and any discharge that comes out of the nipple without squeezing it. Marilisa, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Angela. Marilisa Rocco, she is a global national online journalist. I know someone here, Bill says, do mammograms increase the chance of cancer? My wife says they hurt like heck. Well, I will agree with her that they do hurt like heck. I've never read, though, Bill, um, that they actually increase the risk of cancer. So, um, yeah, and someone else says mammograms cause cancer. Do the research. So, you know, there's still lots of myths out there, but I wanted to dispel a few of those. After the break, though, still need to hear from you. 403-974-8255. What are your thoughts on Swoop? Would you fly an ultra-low-cost carrier? 403-974-8255.